Well, Genesis chapter 5, uh, we're going to start here this morning uh, on this subject of hearts wide open. And let's just dig right into Genesis 5, starting at verse 3. This might not be your typical premise for a message, but uh, uh, once we get into it, you'll get the idea. Verse 3, it says, when Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him. In his very image, he named his son Seth. And after the birth of Seth, <clears throat> Adam lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. And all through chapter 5, we have this pattern that goes on, this lineage or the genealogies. It says, uh, here's this person, and he lived so many years, and, and at a certain age, he became the father of this person, and then he lived this many more years, he had more sons and daughters, and at the ripe old age of so, you know, so many years, then he died. This is a pattern. Take a look at verse 6. It goes on. It says, when Seth was 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. After the birth of Enosh, Seth lived another 807 years, and then he had other sons and daughters. Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. You're picking up on the fact that people back then lived a long, long time. You know, 130 years, and then you had your first kid. It's like, oh my goodness, and I think I'm old, and I'm, I'm trying to keep up with my 17-year-old uh, right now. Um, once we get past chapter 5, at the end of chapter 5 and go into chapter 6, we find that, that God limits the years of people's lives, the average age of people's lives to 120 years, but here we're still in this time when, when you know, uh, the limit is like way up there. Take a look at verse 9. It goes on, when Enosh was 90 years old, he became the father of Kenan. After the birth of Kenan, Enosh lived another 815 years, and then he had other sons and daughters. Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. And it goes from Kenan to Mahalalel, from Mahalalel to Jared, from Jared to Enoch. And this is where we pick up in verse 21. It says, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and then he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. So you're going, okay, just hold on a second. We've gone through verse after verse, uh, section after section, uh, person after person where there's this pattern so-and-so became the father of so-and-so, lived so many years, and then he died. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you get this, this account that's different. Enoch. Enoch lived this many years, became the father of this person. He walked with God, and then we have no account of him dying. It's just he was taken up. He disappeared one day because God took him. And you're like, okay, what is happening? It's like vanilla, 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 and then all of a sudden you have Rocky Road, triple chocolate, salted caramel, um, you know, whipped cream with a cherry on top. It's like, what's going on? Something is different here. And instead of just kind of reading along, reading along, reading along, okay, on to the next chapter, you, you just kind of pause here. You got this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and then Enoch, this guy who walked with God. There's, there's something here, and this is what I want us to look at at the beginning of this new year, is, is what's the secret sauce? 
for the, this year that's ahead of you, for, for your life that's ahead of you, how does God want you to live? As Jonathan was talking here uh, just a few moments ago, the picture that came to mind was, was me sitting in my house on a cold day, and, I'm, I'm, and there's this cold corner of my house, and I'm going, what's going on here? And you look up and you see that one of the vents on your, on your uh, heating and air conditioning system is closed. And you're like, that's not good. Because the heat isn't getting into this area of my house. And that's the posture that I want us to have today is reaching up and opening up that vent and going, you know what, I want all of what God has for me, not just today, not just this week, and, but for this whole year and, and years into the future. That's, I want my heart to be receptive to all that God has for me, uh, for my family, for my church, for my community, for this nation. I want everything. And for Enoch, this is something that clicked. This, this wasn't just something that happened. It wasn't just by chance guaranteed this was a decision he made that he said, I'm going to get close to God and open my life to him. The words that we have there is that Enoch had close fellowship with God. Now, I know when we hear, hear those words fellowship, we, we immediately think of a church potluck, you know, or something like that. Well, I got thinking about, about this word fellowship, and, the, and a couple of, of uh, events came to my mind when I got thinking of fellowship. Uh, it was a few months back, uh, our 17-year-old uh, is a high school senior going off to university uh, this coming fall, and... Uh, um, we, we were at a reception out at the university. It was a scholarship reception, and, and it was rather formal. Even though it wasn't sit down and, and that, it was, it, was, it was formal, and you had to kind of behave yourself, and you, there wasn't really a whole lot of outbursts of laughter. Now, now, don't get me wrong. It was a wonderful occasion. It was a wonderful event, but I, I wouldn't really equate that with fellowship. That's one event. The other event that I would equate with fellowship was uh, we were skiing last week up, up in New Mexico, and we were there with some friends, and, and I tell you, we had one, actually a couple of nights in a row, uh, cutthroat games of Uno. And I tell you, it was, you know, we were going at it, and it was hilarious. We were laughing, and we were joking. There, were, there was food, and there were drinks, and there was just, we were laughing, and we were having it. And I think of those two events in contrast to one another. One isn't necessarily fellowship. The other is full of fellowship. And so when I read that Enoch had fellowship with God, that's this, this, this relationship that comes to mind, is that that Enoch knew God, he, he connected with him, he had this close proximity and this close relationship, and that truly was the secret sauce for Enoch's life. So today, at the beginning of this new year, I want us to look at a few things, three things in particular, of how do we set up our day? How do we set up our week? How do we set up our lives? How do we set up this coming year in a, in a posture of God come near. God, I want to set up my life in close proximity to you and truly walk in community and relationship and fellowship with you. I want this to be full, my life to be full of intent and direction and purpose. And I believe this morning there are three truths. And if you pull out your bulletin, there's places that you can write down some notes here, some, some notes, three truths that will aim us 
and point us in this direction of walking closer with God. Now, I can't promise that you're going to live 365 years like Enoch did. But what I can promise is your life will be tremendously more fulfilling because your life is lived in close proximity to God. So the first one is this. Your life run on autopilot. Your life run on autopilot will get you somewhere. It's going to get you somewhere. Your life run on autopilot, you can put up that next line under it, your life run on autopilot will get you somewhere, but it will not get you where God wants you to be. Your life run on autopilot, you can, you can certainly go through this year just kind of, mm, okay, click the button, off you go. But it's not going to get you where God wants you to be. You think of Abram and his father Terah, scripture in, in Genesis 11 says that Terah was the one who first set out for the land of Canaan. But in some way, and somehow we don't know exactly what happened, but it's like his life clicked into autopilot. It's like, all right, I'm going. And it says he got hung up in Haran. And in fact, the account that we have in Genesis 11 is that his life stalled out and he got to Haran and no further. Let me tell you, I don't want my life to get stalled out in Haran. I want to get to the destination God has for me. And in order to do that, I can't allow my life to just simply click into autopilot. So where's God leading you? Are you listening to Him? Are you, are you intently pressing into Him? Are you actively listening to what God has for you, for, for your family, for your business, for your relationships? Or are you on autopilot just clicking into that status quo and going through life unintentional? misdirected, lack of movement. My prayer for you is that you'll click into what God has for you this year and you'll follow Him. The second one is this. Your life lived like everyone else will be productive. And I'll put will be relatively productive. Your life lived like everyone else will be productive. It will not reach the potential nor will it have the fullness that God has ordained for you. So, hear me. Your life lived according to the plans that God has for other people. Uh, it, it, yes, you're going to find some fulfillment, but you are not going to come anywhere close to the things that God has for you. The story that comes to mind is uh, 1 Samuel 8 and, and the story of Israel. So these are God's chosen people. God is their God, their ruler, their, their authority. Not only that, but the, the one who fills them with all good things. The one who provides them with all the protection and all their needs and all their leadership. And, and yet, what do they get doing? Israel gets looking over the fence and going, hey, why does that nation next to us have a king? And why does the nation over there have a king? And why does that nation over there have a king? And look at, wow. Wouldn't it be cool to have a king? I think we are just kind of missing out on something here. And in fact, all these other nations have kings. Why don't we have a king? And they cry out to God and say, God, give us a king. In fact, thinking that it's an upgrade when in fact it's going backwards and going, you know what? If, if anything, it should have been the other way around. It should have been all the other nations looking at Israel going, why don't we have a God like that? 
And how often in our lives do we get living our lives according to what God has for other people? And we get living our lives like everyone else. Thinking that it's an upgrade, and in fact, it's, it's going in reverse. And I believe it's epidemic in our society. Many times, settling for less than what God has for us. Instead of truly hearing what God has for your life, you're clicking into what God has for someone else. And as you do that, you're simply settling for less. I love TV commercials, especially creative ones. And uh, you may have noticed uh, or seen one of those AT&T commercials uh, recently. And it's, uh, it's the one about settling for, for less or, or uh, good enough isn't, you know, is good enough good enough. And it's this surgeon who comes into a guy who's in pre-op. You've seen this one where he comes in and, and, uh, and he calls out down the hall just before he walks in. He goes, guess who just got reinstated? You know, and then he walks in and he asks the guy who's getting ready for surgery, he goes, so are you nervous? And the guy goes, oh yeah. And he goes, yeah, me too. <laughs> he says, never mind, we'll figure it out. You know? When is okay, okay? You know, that's... So many of us just want to live our lives okay. But trust me, I don't want to do that anymore. Hopefully you don't want to do that anymore either. You want to go for all that God has for you. I don't want to settle for the dude who's going to perform surgery on me that doesn't know what he's doing. I want God, the, the author and perfecter of my faith, I want the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to have full control of my life and do surgery. You know, I was a youth pastor. Um, oftentimes, I'd have parents that would come in and, uh, and talk to me about parenting their kids. And uh, uh, they'd say, you know, kid number one, we had a great time, you know. And, and, and all of a sudden, kid number two has come along, and we're having difficulty. And I'd, I'd kind of press in, well, what, what, what's going on? What's happening? What's... And, and oftentimes, this was, the, this was the, the, the wording that they'd say, well, well, Kid number one, we're parenting, things are going great. Well, and we're parenting kid number two the exact same way, and things don't seem to be going very well. I'm like, well, that's your problem right there. Is you're, you're parenting kid number two the way that you're called the kid, parent, kid number one. And, and would it seem unusual that God might have something different for kid number two than, as opposed to kid number one? And the, the light bulb would go on. You go, you know what? You're right. These are two different people. And I believe that God does the exact same thing with us. Praise the Lord. He doesn't treat me like he treats you or treats you like he treats me. You should really be thanking your lucky stars on that one. God has individual callings, individual purposes, individual blessings for each one of us. So why would we want to settle for what God has for someone else? Don't have time to get into all the nitty gritty and all the, uh, the nuances of this, but... But for some of you, your life is lived looking over the back, back fence at what the neighbors are doing. And I want to just free you from that. I want to give you permission to, to look the other way and start looking in God's direction, rather your neighbor's direction. All that He has for you so that you can reach the potential and reach those heights that He has for you. 
It's funny, uh, I think it was um, mid-December, I think it might have been around the 20th. My birthday's the 21st of December, I think it was just a couple days before that. Um, you might have heard in the news, uh, Boeing um, is getting into the rocket industry and trying to send a rocket up to the, 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 the space station, the International Space Station. Well, they sent off, it's called the, the I think it's the Boeing Starliner that they, it sounds like this luxury uh, sort of, you know, cruise ship or something like that or what. But anyways, it's this rocket that they're, they're trying to get up to the space station. Well, they sent this thing up and, and it kind of got misdirected, misguided. It, it, some of its computers went bad or I don't know the exact thing that went wrong, but it failed to get up to the, the height or the orbit that it needed in order to get up to the space station. And accordingly, it fell short, and it did some orbits around the earth. It never got up to that height. It never reached its mission, and it fell flat, came back down to earth. It's kind of this illustration of what is happening for many of us in our lives. We're launching. We're, we're, we're living our lives, but, but we're failing to reach the height of the mission that God has for us. And hopefully, if that has been the, the roadmap of your life to this point, today is the day where you decide that things are going to be different. And you're going to click into what God has for you. You're going to stop living your life according to what other people are doing, but instead living your life according to what God has for you and hit those objectives. Thirdly, your life focused on your own well-being will meet your needs. It's going to meet needs. But it will not manifest the blessings or the abundance that God desires for you. So your life focused on your own well-being. Hey, I'm going to do things my way. I got to, I got to look after me. I got to look after number one. It's going to meet needs. It's going to meet needs, but it's not going to manifest the blessings or the abundance that God desires for you. It's funny, in, in college... Um, uh, that is back in the day when, uh, you know, you go off to an, uh, an institution of higher education and the cafeteria was synonymous with bad food. Um, we've been touring around to different colleges and universities over the last year, year and a half, and it's amazing the food that they have at schools now. And now you pay for it, I understand. But at the same time, uh, back when I was in college, it was like, oh my goodness, uh, let's go to McDonald's, that's an upgrade. Well, I remember uh, Saturday nights were notorious for leftovers night at, at college. And so I remember one time our buddies, uh, we got all the buddies together, and, hey, let's go for fast food, let's go out somewhere. And we went off campus, we went and ate, we came back on campus only to discover that it was steak night. It's like, what? Who has steak night at Bible college? And all the unannounced, unintended, it's just maybe they knew that everyone was going off campus so they wouldn't have to buy that many steaks. But at the same time, we missed out on, and it wasn't just steaks on the flat grill. And stuff. It was like they pulled out the grills outside, they did it upright, the baked potatoes loaded and all this. It was a feast and we missed it. We missed it. Why? Because we felt like we needed to look after our own needs. A little while earlier, Jonathan related the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And I can't get past this idea without coming back to that story of the thirst that each one of us has and the thirst that Jesus addressed to this woman. He said, you know, yeah, you can, you can pull water from this well. 
and you can drink to your heart's content, but you know what? You're going to be thirsty again. You see, people, men and women of God, we can meet needs. We can, we can go after things and run after things. We can grab things. We can, we can satiate our thirst and our hunger for a time. We can meet needs. But look at what Jesus said to the woman. What I have to offer you, what I have to give you, when you let it into your life, you will never thirst again. You allow God to come in and meet your need rather than you meeting your need. Scripture is full of stories of people who tried to meet their own need. I was going through uh, beginning parts of Genesis uh, this week, and, and particularly this morning I was reading, on, uh, just before I came to church, I was reading about, about Jacob and, and his wives. He got his wives, uh, uh, Leah and Rachel, from Laban, his uncle, and, and he, was, he was sitting there and he was going, okay, well, now I have to have kids, and, and Rachel wasn't having any kids, so it's like, Leah, okay, Leah's going to have kids, and it's like, my goodness, the mess. I was reading through, I'm just going, oh my goodness, this is what happens when we try to look after our own needs, and this is what happens when we try to figure things out and do things on our own accord. You talk about a mess, just read through that account. You're just going, oh Lord, why don't you just wipe it out and start all over again? But when we give our lives to Him and we allow Him to direct and we allow Him to fulfill our needs, when we, when we step back and we, we're patient, we go, okay God, would you do what you do? That's when... The blessings come. God's provisions are always fulfilling, always complete, always satisfying. There's a blessing and abundance that comes from the Lord. And are we willing to allow Him to meet our needs? And we allow, are we willing to allow Him to bring that fullness into our lives this year? There's a friend of mine up in Canada. He's a, a surgeon, a research surgeon, and a doctor. And um, I, I tell you, just the number of letters after his name is amazing. Uh, years ago, I got talking to him. This is when a lot of the Canadian doctors were, um, were migrating down here to the United States just because the, the money and the, the fame and the wealth and all that is just through the roof. And I asked him one day, I said, hey, uh, um, you know, do you ever get any offers from American uh, institutions, American hospitals and stuff? And he says, I get about one a week. I said, really? I said, oh, tell me about this. Um, and so he told me uh, uh, some of uh, And so I said, wait, wait, wait. We were at dinner one time. This was when we were living up in Illinois. And I'll never forget, we were in, in Chicago having dinner. Uh, and over dinner, I leaned over and I said, hey, um, what's the best um, offer you ever got? What's the better, best offer from an American institution that you got? He said, uh, um, he didn't tell me the amount, but he said um, it was for 10 times what he presently made. I said, are you serious? Now, don't get me wrong. Canadians, they pay their doctors well. Now, they don't pay them that well, but, but 10 times what he was presently making. And I said, well, why didn't you take that? Why didn't you take that? And he looked across the table at me, and he says, there comes a point when enough's enough. And there comes a point when other things are much, much more important. He's a man of God, he has a ministry, he's involved in the church, he, he not only has his family and his friends around him, but he has those, those intangibles that money can't buy. 
those outlets, those areas in his life where he's able to pour into people and see their lives change. And he says, there comes a point where there's more to life than just what you have and what you're able to make and, and provide for yourself. Really what he was getting at was that factor of allowing God to come in and lead him and guide him and direct him and ultimately for God to meet his needs. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to set aside the status quo? Are you willing to click in to all that God has for you? Back to the story of Enoch. Are you willing to fellowship with God and make that your number one priority and see the blessings that come out of that? To live with intentionality this year rather than just on autopilot. To live uh, according to what God has for you rather than the way that everyone else is living. Are you willing to rely on Him for your needs rather than try to meet them for yourself? Turn over to Second Chronicles. I'm inviting the uh, worship team to come up and join me. Second Chronicles 31, and I'm going to want to finish with this. There's an example of a, of a king in, in Israel's history. His name was Hezekiah. And in 2 Chronicles 31, it, it we're told that he's the 14th king of Judah. And he ruled, he started ruling from the age of 25. So if you're young, don't feel like you've got to be 55 or 60 before this clicks in. Here was a young man, age 25. And it says that during his reign, he reestablished. The, you see, the previous kings had done evil. They'd done things their own way. They'd led God's people astray. And here it says that Hezekiah reestablished worship. And he, and he made it a priority to honor God in all that he did. Take a look at verse 20 of 2 Chronicles 31. This is a story of Hezekiah's life. The, the lump sum, the summation of his life. My prayer is that the, the summation and the story of my life and the story of your life would be just like Hezekiah's. It says this, This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah. Doing what was good and what was right and faithful before the Lord. In everything that he undertook and in service of God's temple, in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. You see that? In everything that he undertook, in obedience to God, he sought God and he worked wholeheartedly. And look at those last words of, of this account of Hezekiah's life says, and so he prospered. My prayer for Crossroads Church, my prayer for you, for your family, for your relationships, for your business, is that you will have a year, not just a year, but years to come of, of prosperous living. But that doesn't mean money in your bank account or in your wallet or, or uh, you know, just a smile. It means prosperous living according to what God has planned for you, that you won't fizzle out on the launch pad, but you will reach the heights that God has for you. And it all begins with a posture. Opening your heart to Him. Opening up that vent on the, on the heating and air conditioning system and letting Him fill every nook and cranny and space of your life. Let's pray together. Father God, right now, simply want to surrender our wants, our desires, our plans to You. And church, I, I just ask you just to be thinking of some of those things that are, are blocking that right now. Maybe it's fear. 
Maybe it's some family traditions. Well, we've always done it this way. My dad did it this way. My dad's dad did it this way. Maybe there's some things you're believing, some lies you're believing. You just need to offer those up to God and ask Him, is this true? Is this what I'm supposed to hook my wagon to? Or do you have a different route for me? Maybe it's an image thing. Well, pastor, if I do that, people won't respect me. Well, if I do that, I might lose friends. I want you to take those to the Lord. And is God who He says He is, and will He do what He says He will do? And if He is, and if He will, I would propose that you can put your full trust and hope and life in His hands. So Father, we do that right now. We want to open ourselves up to You. We want to surrender our will to Yours. We want to confess those, those ways and those times and those things that get in the way. And we want to receive all that You have for us this year. We want to live our lives fully engaged, fully open to You. So come, Holy Spirit, breathe your life into us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us with that which is so fulfilling. The water of life that we will never, ever thirst again. That's our prayer, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray.